Welcome, friends, to the Soul Talk podcast, a show where we explore and uncover the path to the heart, amplifying your conscience. Join me as we meet incredible souls who are in this journey and learn from their experience and different methods that will make you vibrate your heart. Let's get into it. Hey, everyone. This is Monica Ramirez, Warrior of Love, and we're in Soul Talk. I am a transformational belief coach, and I have a special guest today. Her name is Mariana Lea. Do I say it right? Yeah. Okay. Mariana Lea Hernandez. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you a little bit who she is. Mariana is a transcendental sacred, uh, sacred feminine channel known for her channeling of Maria Magdalene. She's also a scribe, oracle, soul retrieval specialist, DNA activator, cellular, cellular light specialist, quantum vector healer, medium and psychic intuitive. She's also founder of the Light of the, uh, of the Love Meditation program in New York. She has been teaching modified versions of, of Kermetic Yoga for the elderly and disabled for most of the decade. That is very, very interesting. You have things that I have not even heard about. And, uh, and I have many questions for you. But one of the that that is close to me is Maria Magdalene, and I would like to ask you first of all. I wanted to thank you for accepting this invitation in Soul Talk, and it's really my pleasure to have you here and, and having this conversation with you. Pleasure uh, to be here, an honor. Thank you, Monica. Thank you. <laughs> when do you start? How? When do you start channeling Maria Magdalene? So, um, in 2018, I went to Israel and I went there, um, with a group, which was led by Dana Mikuchi. She is, um, a, an accomplished writer. Um, she's very famous for a book called the third muse. She's done many spiritual quests in many different areas in the world, um, including France, um, and Egypt. And she does the Maria Magdalena spiritual quests around the um, Michael line and the Magdalene line in France. And so I went with her um, and she's also a journalist. I'm a former journalist as well. She had asked me to accompany her and I went to Magdala and Magdala is a newly archeologically <laughs> excavated town. Yes. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Monica. With yes. Magdala? Okay. So Magdala is very famous now. It became extremely famous now. It's becoming a very well-known visitor site, especially since they opened the borders up. But during the pandemic, it became extremely famous, <laughs> not for its archaeological treasures, although it is known as the hometown of Maria Magdalena. Um, it became known for its pilgrimage. It was one of the first places in Israel, actually, to do their virtual pilgrimage online and to be able to do tours. And so what they did was they did a giant focus on Maria Magdalena. So when I was there, and I'm a good friend of Padre um, Juan Solana, he's part of the, um, basically the uh, Catholic, you know, the church there. And when I was in Magdala, I had a very interesting experience, which then proliferated my ability to be able to channel the Divine Sacred Feminine and Maria Magdalena specifically. I was... Um, I can't even explain the terminology behind it, but from what I understand, um, many spiritual leaders actually called it an apparition 
experience of Maria Magdalena that I actually had physically in Magdala. And that was what led me to be able to channel her, but not right away. <laughs> it took me literally three years to figure out that it was her <laughs> originally. Um, but I had a very close encounter with her. I mean, literally within like five feet, I would say, maybe even less than that. I was under the impression during that encounter that there were other people that had actually seen her, but then found out that nobody else saw her <laughs> but myself. <laughs> And um, I've actually described her in many live streams, um, and I will be writing a book in the near future about my experience called The Journey of an Aspect, as I did find out that I do share an aspect of energy of Maria. That's why when um, I actually, it's very interesting, people have picked up on it in many circles. When I channel Maria Magdalena, I never say Mary Magdalene. <laughs> I either say Mariam, Mariam, or I say Maria Magdalene or Maria. And that's much closer to me. But it took me three years to figure out that it was her. And then once I did, you know, kind of grasp the fact that it could have possibly been her and my deepest connection to her, which is traced very directly into the ancient roots of the founder races, which um, I work closely with Phil Gruber, um, who actually traced my connection through past lives to the Brennell. And I do when I channel Maria, I channel either in English, French, Hebrew, Aramaic, or light language known as the Anohazi, which is one of the oldest ancient um, forms of language ever was created across the galactic spectrum and the earthly spectrum. And so I was able to get myself into a state of peace to be able to accept that I was worthy to be able to connect with her on such a deep level and connect with Isis and Kuan Yin and other divine feminine aspects. And then only then, after going through a major dark night of the soul, <laughs> battling like all women and actually going to be doing a lot of classes and webinars on how to deal with the divine feminine trauma that we do as women have to heal, as well as the divine masculine. So we're all going through that right now. But it took me a long time before I could even pronounce or have any resonance to pronounce anything that she could ever out as a message <laughs> this is it is not easy to when we open up and believing is like oh my god I, at one time i i i no one time several times thought came mm -hmm. and i was like and at the beginning i rejected him because like no it's not possible the energy is so strong and uh and i did not feel that why he's communicating with me no it is not possible and i reject him it took me a while to, after several visitations, that I actually started accepting that I, I was worth it. And that's, that's uh, believing in ourselves is a big, big step, well, more one for channelers. And I was part of the order of Maria Magdalene, Ma Maria Magdalena uh, in the ancient times. So I know what you're talking about. It was way, way before even the... In, in the time of Atlantis, that's where I believe it started, correct? I believe it started in the founder races. I'm actually going to be, I'll let you know and I'll keep you posted. We will be doing with Phil the founders race uh, webinar, which hasn't really ever been done before, but we're going to trace the connection so ancient 
into the galactic spectrum. Well, yeah, I mean, the brand, like, right, like at the time of creation, that's how deep the Magdalene lineage goes. And with the Nephilim and the Seraphim and the angelic race, it's all a connection. It's all connected with the Christ. Absolutely. And yes, it is time to heal that part of us because there is a deep, deep pain and we're growing and we're changing and we're evolving all the females in this planet and we're speaking out. But there is still a lot of healing that we have to do to ourselves. Uh, there is uh, the programming went so, so deep and so, so hurtful that even for us to accept in just to channel that we are deserve this, it goes to our broken parts that we have in all of us that that is we're still growing and healing in the process. But yes, I, I love this. And yes, please share when you have that ready. Because that will be amazing. It is very important that that even our male side that we have to heal too. Uh, uh, the females and the males also have to heal the female side. So like this, this division of the duality, it comes down. Yes, and you know, just to add to that, I've spent some time, um, you know, since I came back from Israel, uh, connecting with uh, the church, but not the Vatican. Um, but through Padre Solano, you know, in Magdala. And he's very unconventional in the sense that he's not just like going by the Bible or by what the Vatican says or by what Catholicism has to say about Maria Magdalena um, and the whole biblical story and the story of the crisis timeline. He wants to see it from his own perspective which I truly actually deep down in my heart believe that he was one of the disciples in this past lifetime. And we've kept in touch, especially during a pandemic. And he, you know, he, he told me how, you know, how rough things were, but what stood out to me is that he talked a lot about how amazing it was that when in 2016, when she was like, I call it acquitted <laughs> in the church, she found that she was redeemed out of going in from the classical aspect of being a prostitute to being a saint. And, and truthfully, you know, if you look at the ancient rooted connection of what a prostitute is, it's actually innocence in a sense. And a prostitute um, consideration, like what prostitutes meant um, as a job or an association to it in the ancient times was so different from what we consider it now. And so that's what, you know, because back then, you know, women were revered to a certain extent until we lost that. <laughs> and then we went into that age of silence during the Piscean era. But that's why that's exactly what you're saying, Monica, is we're going through that age right now. We're getting out of that Piscean era um, mentality that perception we're growing into that metamorphosis that morphogenetic process where we're leaning now towards balance and equality between both sexes and specifically between the divine feminine and divine masculine that's why this whole um idea of the wound isn't only labeled and only pertains to the divine feminine it pertains to divine masculine because the divine masculine has to accept the divine feminine in them and has to take become at peace with both of his parts as a divine feminine has to be at peace <laughs> with both of her parts. 
And so it was amazing. Um, he, he said something to me like, you know, it's amazing that she went from how far we've come as humans in our evolution that, um, someone who was considered a prostitute and, and even he said it and whether she was or not, we'll never know <laughs> because we were not there, um, could turn into a saint. How many hundreds of years later? Also, this, this take me, uh, to the memory of the Pisti Sophia. The, uh, mm-hmm. the of the whore and the saint. Yeah. And we are talking about the same thing, right? Yes. <laughs> it's exactly the same thing. And the thing is that, you know, back then in the temples, what was, what was the most reverence of a woman is that she was the divine nectar. She was the connection to the divine nectar. So to a man, a woman served as a huge honor it's, it was a huge honor to walk into a temple and whether there was donations or whatever the case of connections and different things that were going on during certain festivals. And you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter um, at this point, but a prostitute meaning back then is definitely not the same. And it wasn't about selling the body. It was about having sovereignty of the body and having sovereignty of who you are as a woman and be able to acknowledge that, yes, just like we were just talking about, I am worthy. I am a woman and I'm proud to say it. You know, it took us as women hundreds and hundreds of years before we could even say, hey, I am proud to be a woman. Like this, the religions in general, even before the Catholics, the Catholicism, we go to the Jewish and we go to the other that's an older uh, religion that it was before the Catholics. They're the ones that they were already infestated the females, uh, how they, the men see the women and how the women should behave and act and do before them. In the time of the goddess and the time of, of the matriarch, it did not exist this. We were had a full acceptance of our menstruation, our everything. It was very, very different that it have infected our society to this day. It's going to take us uh, another couple of eons and hundreds of couple of years more till we actually root out, I believe, that whole perception. That's the guidance that I got recently. I, um, I don't know if you agree with me, but it's going to take humanity uh, a while to get that out of the human collective consciousness because it was so ingrained during a Piscean era. And that was the whole point. It was a matter of control. But as the divine Sophia is currently returning onto the planet and flooding the planet, which, you know, auspiciously happened right before the pandemic and at the high tides of the pandemic is more and more. And even with the current events that are going on right now, more plasma is being flooded onto the earth of the sun, of the light. And that's a lot of it rooted in the divine Sophia energy. And what I feel and what I've been channeled on recently is that not only is it a divine feminine that's really making its return and it's making its return, I mean, in every possible way. It's the reemergence of the equality and the balance between the divine feminine and divine masculine that is slowly kind of taking place. And, and it's kind of just recalibrating and reintegrating the human collective consciousness. But again, what happens here happens also across the galactic spectrum, I believe. And so it has to be done as above, so below. <laughs> 
Yes, I agree. I was here, so we're there. I, yeah. I, I totally understand that. I, as a mother as a te- of a teenager little girl, I remember when she had her period the first time, and we did a ceremony. So she feel comfortable with that. But later on, I what I see in she's a high schooler now, with all her friends and so forth, I understand that not everybody were raised by me. The other kids were raised by other parents. They have it. Then later on, she started rejecting that part of herself. Oh, okay. Because, and it was not because I implant that, because I tried to celebrate it, some, something completely contrary of the norm of the society, of how we see each other. But unfortunately, the system is uh, so, already infected by the little girls, by the, the same mothers. Okay. And, uh, and those are the new generations that were, is being infected by it. So how do we can change that for the future generations to be having a different conscious and be accepting of her menstruation, her femininity, her self-love for all who they truly are? How we can change that? Do you have a message from, from her regarding this? Well, um, I actually spend quite a bit of time in the last couple of months um, actually going through what you're talking about. <laughs> I myself um, have struggled for most part of my life because I, I grew up in a very controlling environment. I'm from Ukraine. I'm from Kiev. So as you can imagine, everything that's going on on the outside right now is, um, yeah. So I, for about a good month and a half since this war started, um, I spent healing my wounds from childhood. But it wasn't, and from what I understand, it wasn't specifically the childhood wounds themselves. It was my femininity that was at stake. And that, and it took me a while to figure that out. Um, I had a, you know, big celebration for 222, you know, and, you know, with a big global giant spiritual community, it was a beautiful moment. I felt great. I felt good. I felt wonderful. I was like, okay, I'm glowing. Like, you know, with this pandemic, not everybody gets to do that. I've had COVID. So I've been through a lot. (laughs) And then my whole life, I've struggled with health challenges. So be, you know, and, and being a woman (laughs) and being an immigrant. So it was, you know, it, it was rough. Of course, it was very rough. And then once this war hit, the biggest wound I uncovered was dealing with my mother and dealing with living in Ukraine and how difficult it was to being a woman. And not only that, having my father being Jewish and actually studying in yeshiva in a Jewish school for a good part of my life. That's where I learned Hebrew and Aramaic, where I, um, up until I learned what the prayers represented in speaking Hebrew. I prayed for a good number of years saying, thank God I am not a woman. (laughs) Cause that is actually one of the morning prayers, believe it or not. And until you actually start studying, what do those prayers represent? You don't really know what you're saying. So it's, it was a difficult and challenging last couple of weeks until I actually sit down with myself and I actually talked to Mary one-on-one and I did automatic writing because that's really how, um, unless it's like a live stream or the channeling comes to me, that's really how channelings come. And I asked her, I said, what, it, what is it going to take 
Um, and I'm actually going to be teaching this in a couple of weeks with a friend of mine. What is it going to take for me to be able to heal that deepest divine feminine wound and accept that I am a woman? And, and how do I come into peace with myself? And the clear message, and I hope it gets out to um, whoever's dealing with this now, um, was you have to be at peace with who you are. It doesn't matter if you are a feminine aspect on this planet and embodiment at this time in this, um, in, in this reincarnation, or you are a male because you were a male in many other lifetimes and a woman in many, many other lifetimes. Neither one of those roles were easy. And either one of those lifetimes were easy and it didn't, it was, there was no competition of it was easier because you were a woman or it was easier because you were a man. <laughs> you pick this specific lifetime because it's a giant return of the divine feminine and that nurturing, because it's nurture versus nature. We go back to the root core of psychology and philosophy and that nurturing energy is what's really required on this planet for all women to break that silence, like Maria Magdalena was talking about after Yeshua was crucified. Because what was the biggest thing in the biblical, let's say, story that she felt that, you know, she needed to be silent, that she felt like she was silenced afterwards. And so for eons, that feminine wound of silence, which is not about being quiet, <laughs> it carries many different meanings behind that one word so to break that silence that's breaking the binds the bonds of that wound it doesn't take a day it doesn't take a moment rome wasn't built in one either <laughs> it could take a lifetime for someone but the fact that you can try to look in the mirror and just become more at peace with yourself and say, I, I am good with being a woman in this lifetime. I am going to bloom where I am planted as the plant that I am planted as. And I'm going to plant my seeds, my legacy accordingly um, in the body that I'm in as who I am. And reclaim all of my soul parts, all of my soul fragments that I've lost over time, the energy I've lost in different places, in different countries, in Atlantis, in Lumeria, throughout the world's history, throughout the Earth's history, throughout the galactic history, and be able to understand that without those experiences, without those lifetimes, I wouldn't be here right now. And I wouldn't be who I am. And most importantly, I wouldn't be who I am becoming. Because who I am becoming is the most authentic self of me. And whatever that represents, that is what's going to give me the most ultimate peace because there could be chaos outside. But as long as my temperature, my weather, as long as that's called peace, then I can affect everyone I come in contact with throughout the entire world, physically or virtually, because my resonance exuberates peace. And that's the whole point of how we work and begin to work on healing the wound for all women and becoming that which we are becoming through the wisdom of divine Sophia that is returning on our planet. I hope that answers that question. That was beautiful. And yes, I certainly agree with you. It is, it is necessarily, and that acceptance that we have to do to ourselves 
and fully love unconditionally. And love unconditionally means not judging, just accepting. You see, love just is without asking anything or judging anything or trying to change or nothing. And that is true unconditional love. And that is important that we all understand that. We can love ourselves if I'm younger, if I lose weight, if this, if that, because then we're not loving ourselves. And that's something that we have to, uh, to all our listeners to understand that what is really unconditional love and accepting who you are, because that's, that's what is going to actually create a change in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about Olam, Monica, just to add to that, that is the biggest message that I carry for this year and for the rest of my life is Ahabat Olam, is eternal, unconditional love, is one of the most ancient words spoken um, in the entire history of the dictionary, in every language. You could translate into all languages. And that is the biggest message Mary Miriam has ever given me. Um, you know, every time I ask her, how do I live on this planet? The same response is Ahabat Olam. That is beautiful. I, I did became also, I am descendant of you from my mother's side. So I am a Jew converted because I was looking for the Aramaic, the Hebrew, the Kabbalah and all those kind of things. And I was looking at community. Then I realized that what I was looking in reality was inside of me and it was not in a religion. So I stepped back and I don't have a religion at all now anymore. But uh, but I do understand what you're talking about, too. <laughs> so I've studied Kabbalah also, and I've spent most of my life looking for a community. Finally, I feel like I'm finding my soul tribe, including yourself, and I'm finding my my community. But in this community, it's a community of unconditional love. There's no, like you said, there's no judgment. There's no ridicule. There's no competition. It's people coming together, like-minded souls, like-hearted souls that see things through the eyes of soul instead of through the mind and through the ego. And finally, thank God. But yeah, if we don't have that belonging inside our hearts, how could we see it outside? It's like a mirror. Everything around us is a mirror, right? So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And learning to become the observer or else you're not going to observe when it's reflecting at you back. <laughs> we're just going to get triggered and we're evil and like, oh, I'm just going to be mad. <laughs> yeah. That's the message I got um, for a number of years. Stay on the periphery. I've actually never shared that message before. Stay on the periphery, meaning stay on the sidelines. Don't get involved in the drama. Don't get involved in 3D life because you know you are on this world, but you're not of it. So why then would you get involved, <laughs> you know, and lose that energy when you could be putting that energy into helping the world instead of getting suckered into the drama of it and adding more fuel to the fire? Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, do, you're also in your in your bio says that you're a cellular light specialist. What does that mean? So um, I do a form of, it's almost like meditation slash hypnosis. And it's a form of quantum vector healing where quantumly, with a person's permission um, and their higher self's permission and their soul's permission, I am able to access their subconscious 
and I'm able to go in um, and remote view their cells, remote view their body, um, their past lifetimes, their subconscious, their blockages, different things, and be able to perform a form of spiritual surgery that does not inquire any kind of chemical invasive procedures of anesthesia or hospital stays. Um, it does require, you know, um, a proper intake of water, light diet prior, um, you know, almost like a fasting right before and after. And it takes about three days for it to kind of integrate and recalibrate into the system. But during that time, I'm able to see people's organs and if they're going through stuff, their inflammations, um, illnesses or dis-eases, if you might want to call it, or where their pain is located. Like they're going to the doctor and doctors cannot figure out what is going on in their bodies and they're going through enormous pain. I'm able to like an x-ray MRI or a CAT scan machine be able to actually viscerally, viscerally see what is going on in their bodies. You know, they have to be open to it, of course. Um, it's a little bit of a different type of medical mediumship, but I'm able to infuse the light of love and from the central galactic sun and from divine Sophia and the Christed light into their bodies. So they are able to integrate that light and heal on a deep cellular level and remove blockages, old cellular imprints from their past lifetimes or even this life from trauma. Yeah. yeah the, I, I know how to do that. Now they, there's different terminologies for things I or. I am very intuitive and I have done that before and with many of my clients and it's always fascinating what we find in there. It's like, oh my God. It's, but some people do not accept. I can learn also this in the hard way and I hope you can answer me this. You can't heal people. They have to heal themselves. But there's people that need that pain because that's the way they manipulate others. So they don't want to be healed at the same time. And, and it is fine. We can change their own path, their own choices. So how do you, uh, do you have, an, I believe you have encountered this with other people, correct? That they don't want to be healed. They just want the attention of your therapy over and over and over forever. <laughs> right? I, I have, I have encountered that. Actually, my mom, unfortunately, is one of the such patients and I've had clients um, that have had those kinds of um, experiences. They're just not open. And the reason why they're not open is because they are either playing the role of victimhood or if they're not playing the role of victimhood, no matter what they're going through, we still have to maintain that compassion towards whatever it is and hold space for them and hold the deepest understanding of why do they feel that way? But in those situations, if they are not open, the best thing to do is try to hold space for them and to support them in other ways. But I wouldn't engage because if they are not open, things can actually go in reverse and that gets a little dangerous and tricky. Yeah. Yes. I, I totally agree with you. And I see also that you're a quantum vector healer. Can you explain me that one? I have never heard that one before. Sure. Um, it's a form of angelic um, subconscious quantum therapy. So it's actually dealing with uh, quantum mechanics, quantum physics. And what it is, is a subconscious 
uh, modality where I'm able to access someone's subconscious during a session of hypnosis that you are safely conducting. I'm conducting it with them under supervision. And I'm able to go into their subconscious and pull out anything with their permission. Of course, it has to be with their permission. Um, anything that is currently blocking them from whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. Let's say they set an intent or they want to see, okay, where did this come from? Why am I feeling this way? Why can I go, um, you know, forward? What is my trauma? And the trauma doesn't have to be in this lifetime. The trauma could be 1800 years before. So safely with their permission, we do access their trauma. Sometimes we're not even given the privilege. There's many practitioners around the world um, that are doing that mostly in Dubai and in the Middle East and Italy. And we're not always able to see what that trauma is. The person is, though, able to see that. And a lot of those things get removed. Um, the danger sometimes is, is that you have to make sure to work carefully um, because if you do not close the chapter, if you do not heal that timeline, let's say, or that fragment and return it back to the person, that specific trauma um, likes to reintegrate itself back into the system, even in this lifetime, and uh, give you a hard time for a little while until you figure it out. But again, it could be also um, someone's blueprinted, timelined, energetic imprint that needs to come up. They have to learn that lesson, just like you said. And if that's the only way, that's the only way. <laughs> a question. When a client comes to you and they need uh, any of your therapies, do you already know, did they tell you, oh, I want a quantum vector he uh, a healing or a cellular light or this or, or a soul retrieval or... or you just intuitively know what you're going to be working with them? How do you work with your clients? Sure. We first have a conversation, a heart to heart. I want to get to know them. I want to see what, you know, makes them tick, so to speak, what drives them. And what I, my biggest thing um, is I want to help people because I've been through so much in my life. That is my biggest way of giving back. That is my greatest fulfillment. That's what gives me joy. But in order for me to really, truly help anyone, I have to deeply understand them on a soul level. So even if they come to me and say, oh, let's, let's pick a thing off the list and say, okay, I want a quantum vector healing because it sounds interesting. That's not really, you know, what I feel is maybe possibly great for them. So I sit down and I talk to them and it may be one or two times and I say, okay, well, what's going on with you? What are you feeling? What are you looking to heal? What, what are you seeking in your life? What are you looking to accomplish? In your life? What is primarily missing? What's taken away your joy? And let's work it from there. And then through the guidance system of my guides and intuition, we're able to together figure out what is the next game plan. Sometimes it's a simple meditation with them or hypnosis session that allows us to see what is really needed. Sometimes nothing on the list. Sometimes just a conversation and then maybe a small spiritual surgery or a small light therapy, or we go into past lifetime regression and, and that's what helps them. So it really, it's so individually based. It truly, truly is. <laughs> yes. And uh, 
you as a channeler, do you only channel Maria Magdalene or you channel other beings? We're like, <coughs> <coughs> you okay? <laughs> yes, water, definitely water. <laughs> Do you channel other beings of light? I do. Um, Maria is very close to me. Um, you know, I truly feel like we are twin aspects of each other. And I feel such a deep connection with her. Um, but aside from Maria, I channel definitely Isis. Mother Isis is, is a big one for me. Um, you know, when there's challenges in my life, I, I ask for assistance <laughs> from Isis because Isis, you know, went through quite a bit in her life. And she was very human as she was divine. Same thing with Maria. Kuan Yin, um, Sana Kumara, Shiva and Shakti. Um, I love channeling Serapis Bay, Hilarion, um, Mother Mary. I love because um, there's so many amazing things that Mother Mary has channeled. And I will be doing a book on a lot of these channelings as well. And Yeshua. Absolutely. And Honestly, whoever comes from the Galactics or, you know, even if it's Babaji, whether it's, you know, like I said, Sana Kumara has been wonderful, Hilarion. Whoever wants to put out the message within the light, I am open to it. I'm an open channel for that. And I always say that with protection from Archangel Michael, Metatron, and Sindalfon, I am an open channel of the light. And believe me, as a medium, I've been an open channel to the dark. <laughs> I've played both sides. I've spent a long time, you know, trying to battle that out. But, um, you know, you, you get to a point where the protection becomes stronger because you're more accepting of it and you're able to protect yourself more. But as a medium, plenty <laughs> of that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I have, I have learned that one day also in different way. I believe... Part of being in the process of channeling and believing in ourselves that we deserve it and we're worth it and so forth, we have to pass through that. We can say the the new age um, groups that there are is like love and light and everything is only love and light and you can feel mad, oh, yes. you can feel sad and there's still that dark night of the soul. They're lying to themselves <laughs> because that's part of the process and how we grow and how we learn. Absolutely. No one learned from their, everybody learned from their mistakes, not from their successes. Of course. I've had many guests, as I call them. I've had many entities. Um, you know, I used to actually have, um, I used to practice in, in Manhattan. I used to go and do sessions with a specific healer. He's called a vortex healer. Um, that's another modality of actually removing entities from, from people. And, um, there was a time where it just would be a consistent, um, situation, you know, the, the, my late twenties and like early thirties. And at one point we figured out that I actually, due to all of my traumas, especially divine feminine, there was like a leakage in my auric field where it would just allow entities to come in almost like a fan. It would just vacuum, suck them in. And it was uh, interesting because one of the entities that had come in very benign, but still needed to, you know, needed to go um, into the light was actually a 17-year-old boy um, who I picked up during a shamanic ceremony. 
So you just, you know, the space wasn't fully cleared. And, you know, so things like that do occur. Exactly what, what you just said. It's not always love and light. We want to get to the point where our evolutionary stage is in that morphogenetic, metamorphic level of we are all love and light. But again, that was just recently also channeled by Maria to me was you have to go deep into the darkness like Ishtar in order to find that light. So how, how can you really appreciate the light? <laughs> yes. You don't go through the deepest of the darkness first. I mean, light supersedes, precedes darkness, darkness precedes light. They go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. It's, just, it's not, not possible. <laughs> and as an artist myself, I can tell you how we're going to say what it is actually happiness completely you have not experienced before uh, the, uh, that pain, that deep pain. We have to have that contrast. So we can be grateful for where we are. Absolutely. I'm I'm very grateful for where I am because I know the darkness that I've been through. So for every light that comes and for every light that I experience, I'm grateful for each breath and every moment. Believe me. <laughs> yes. I totally agree with you. And tell us a little bit about uh, your foundation, about the Light of Love meditation program that you had in New York. Sure. Um, so the program opened in uh, 2013 and it has been going on. Um, so that's why I say it's almost a decade now. Next year, we're going to be, um, God bless, celebrating a, a full decade in March of 2023. Um, I started the program with the elderly and the disabled at a senior center. And then it grew. I was able to actually teach it in um, local libraries in Brooklyn, New York. And we will now start to be doing that probably as of next year virtually. So it'll be open to the global community. So I'm very excited about that. Um, but it does come together um, as a program, but together with the Kemetic Yoga, which is Egyptian yoga. Um, I teach the oldest, most ancient yoga, modified version of it. So that way, people that are any age from infant, <laughs> that when they become actually able to do the movements, to the time of 120 years old and more, God bless, anybody can do this. And if they're in a wheelchair, if they're in a walker, if they're with a cane or have any handicap, they can totally do this. I've had cancer patients do this type of yoga and meditation, and it's really geared um, to help the lungs to breathe and specifically geared for the spine. That's the yoga part. Um it recalibrates and restructures the spine and puts it back into center through specific various type movements. But these movements are not difficult to do. So anybody that's on a wheelchair, walker, or cane is able to do that just by sitting. And so when the Egyptians believed that if there was even a slight 0.5 millimeter um, sway out of alignment in your spine, then that could lead to a major potential disease. And that is what the Egyptians believed. So this yoga, um, which is scientifically the original kinetic but modified version, is geared to realign the spine, not as a chiropractor, freely, without insurance needed, <laughs> or co-pays, to be able to realign the spine naturally to fit the individual's spinal curve. 
without having to do any kind of MRIs or invasive procedures. The individual, by doing these specific set movements with specific breath, are is able to put their spine back together. And that's the greatest part about this um, Egyptian yoga. It has helped me. It has helped hundreds of people so far. It has taken people out of surgery. That was potentially, um, I've seen people move their shoulders, move their legs. I mean, move their necks. I myself um, was on a walker and a cane for a number of months. Um, I'm a brain aneurysm survivor. 1% in the world that survives this kind of brain aneurysm. And I made this program when I had it. Wow. And I taught with a walker and a cane for months, two classes per week. It was absolutely fantastic. I've seen breakthroughs in people with high blood pressure in cancer, dementia, Alzheimer's. It's been an amazing program. And the Light of Love Meditation, it's a creative visualization that viscerally takes people into the beach where they feel sand in their toes. Meanwhile, they never step foot onto the beach and they're sitting inside a ballroom of a senior center or a place in Brooklyn, New York, whatever. I've actually taught at the Brooklyn Museum of Art, right, right at the rooftop underneath the, you know, like the sunlight. Um, and it's a creative visualization where people get to visualize themselves in a different timeline field, universal field of the universe and be able to heal themselves from within using their own breath and their own visualization. And that's the most amazing part about it. So thank you for asking me that. <laughs> And uh, I wanted to ask, I see here that you have a cosmic conversation every Thursday at 6 p.m. Well, no, I, I only did. Um, I'm part of the Wish Alliance, so I'm an ambassador. Okay. And the Wish Alliance holds cosmic conversations every Thursday. Yeah. Oh. It actually, yeah. Yeah. I was just there last Thursday. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, do you have a, a message that you would like to, to give us all before we, we close? Sure, absolutely. Um, so let's, Monica, let's let's close our eyes, if you don't mind, for a minute. <laughs> I'll try to do it in light language, which I actually, you know, channel, like I said, the Anahazi um, light language version. So it's one of the most ancient ones from the Branar races, which is like the founder races. So let's close our eyes. Let's take a nice deep breath in. A nice, nice deep exhale out. Another nice inhale in through your navel. The Shahina breath is what I would call it. A nice exhale out. Another nice, long, deep breath in. Hold. Allow it to penetrate deep into your ribs and deep into you, your lungs, into each alveoli, and into your heart space. And exhale out. And just one more deep breath in. Does anything that you wish to let go of, the open space, more light and anything new that you wish to create to come in. Breathe it out. 
We will open the message. We thank the guides in advance for whoever does provide this message. We will open the platform up first with Latin language. For anyone that is listening on the call or will be listening in the ethers. Que desea si ala kiami. Que desea si ala kiati sumala kianuma. Que desea si ala kiati shmasi glati mu. Que desea si ala kiami atani ma kianu sum kirasi atigini kani kimiati numa. Que desea si kiati mu ti ke si ala kumati ashi si le ami ati ke si ala mi. Take a nice deep breath in. Allow your body to relax yourself. And a deep breath out. Que te sea si alegia ti metele que hacia la muerte cae. Que te sea si alegia ti que la mía tiene su cielo como tácila y. Que te sea si alegia como tiene mía que si la muerte cae y como si era tu macaiza. Que la sea si alegia ti mala que hacia la ni mi que no cona que si alegia como te su cielo que le bien tocarte que. Dear light warriors, those that have volunteered their services to come onto this planet, those that have been here before, those that have never been here, those that are coming, and those that will come. To those we say, today on this blessed day, or what is on your earth called now Holy Saturday, do not fear the outside effects or your external circumstances, for fear is strictly an illusion. That which you've heard before, it is not a cliche. It is a reminder to anyone that is beginning their journey of becoming. To those that have been on the journey for a while and those that are still growing into their own, a friendly reminder must come from the ethers to remember your stage, your roles, to remember why it is that you have come here, to remember what is your divine blueprint here on earth. What is that contract you had etherically signed before you had embarked on this planet? What is your role? What is your mission, as you call it? What is the true purpose of your existence on this planet? For we all know, Mother Earth, Mama Kia, Pachamama, 
is recalibrating, reintegrating its lost days of Atlantis and Numeria and many other previous ancient civilizations that have come and that have gone. Divine Sophia is entering the planet, piercing it through its plasma, rays of light through the Poralina sea energies are coming through and its divine wisdom is returning back onto its planet together with the Shahina teachings that all the divine who has vowed its sacred vow to protect the divine must begin its process of teaching the Shahina teachings upon the earth. The divine feminine, divine masculine are coming into their own and merging with each coming day. The Visika Pisces, which is the connectional point, the togetherness and the binding of the union, the cosmic reemergence of the union of divine feminine, divine masculine that is entering this planet, is coming to fruition. It has not an end date, only the beginning. We are asking you, way showers, light warriors, warriors of the light, of the love of the divine, the unconditional, Ahavat Olam, as it says in the Aramaic, and Ahunikali in Anuhaze and other light language platforms to return back to love. We are asking to return back to the understanding that fear is an illusion and it does not exist. There is no wrong. There is no right. There is no right way or wrong way. It is how you perceive each experience to be negative or positive, like ions, minus or plus. We are asking you all to take your rightful places at this stage. We are asking you all to remember your joy and return joy to its rightful owner. We are asking you all to remember the harmony and the balance of your being once again. Maybe you have not remembered it for eons, but now you are all going through a process of remembering. And may it be as it may, we are all together in this one platform, working with you all as we are working with each other. We are one. We are working together to enhance the ability for Mama Kia to finally break free into the unknown and to be the 5D she is meant to be and to recalibrate and to fully heal from all its former transgressions and Heal all the traumas from the human consciousness collective data, from the Akashic Records data, and from the galactic consciousness collective data. We are here with you. You are not alone. You belong where you are. So bloom where you are planted. That will become the key aspect. You all will be experiencing bloom where you are planted. Be grateful for each moment, for ingratitude and grace and total utter forgiveness. You will find yourselves in the highest of vibrations because you will be embodying and expressing unconditional love. We love you all. We are always with you. Ask us for guidance and ask us for help whenever you see fit. We always answer your call and heed our clarion call to step up and show up to the platform of all life, but you are all keys, 
that will open up innumerable doors to the platform of this life. Thank you. Namaste. It has been a pleasure connecting with you. This message comes from the Pleiadian Command Center, both from Yeshua, Maria Magdalena, and Mother Mary today. Thank you. Thank you. It was beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Maria Magdalena. Magdalena. And yes, let us know when is going to be your next class that you're going to have. So like that we can promote it because it is important. It is, it is already the time to change. And we can change the conscious of the whole world. Yes, yes change is inevitable. Yes, thank God. It. <laughs> <laughs> thank it was my pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Monica. It's my pleasure to be here. And thank you to the guides. It's Maria and to Yeshua and to Mother Mary. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I would love to share with you my transformational system, Path to the Heart, that I created just for you. Head over to monicaramireswarrioflove.com and you will find free resources. In there, you can download a masterclass in how to stop being people pleaser and meditations to get you started.